Good morning. You're listening to CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca online, and this program is The Secret Ingredient, a show where we talk about art and ideas and uh, creative collaborations, DIY art spaces, and my name is Jenny Gavering. I'm usually joined by Alyssa Frith Eagland, um, and Alyssa is away in Santa Fe this week, and so I'm on my own with Jenny Mitchell. Hi, Danica. Oh, no. Oh. Your mic three, there sorry. Go. Hi, there we Danica. go. It's good to begin with a production error, and then oh, you can okay. just. You can get hear really me a little bit through mic number two, I think, in the distance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Jenny, we're really excited to have Jenny here with us today. Jenny Mitchell is a local artist, musician. She is an omnicordist primarily, but is also a multi-instrumentalist. She um, cut her teeth in at the age of 15 in the music scene and has been bringing together community um, ever since. She's a bus driver, a record label exec with a studio fa- uh, label Fantastic, her local label, um, which she runs with uh, Wax Mannequin, Jillian Manford, and Matthias Com. And uh, is she's a creator, a creatrix of culture in so many ways, and we're really excited to have you here, Jenny. Well, thanks. So I should steal some of that. <laughs> okay. I'll write it up for you later. Um, so we're going to begin with a, a song, I think. And Jenny, you've got something picked out for us? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to play Clinton St. John. Amazing. I found this summer at Hillside, and he's awesome. Yeah, he was really cool, hey? Yeah, I yeah. loved him. Can yeah. I just hit play? Yeah. Shining in the wind 
That track was Clinton St. John's um, in Corners We Grow. And it's really new, hey, Jenny? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was really lucky. I got to announce him at Hillside this year. And so he was the only artist I got paired with that I didn't previously know. And oh, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I went online and was just listening back then. I mean, most of these songs that I found now, um, he didn't even have, like, publicly released. They had the album at Hillside, but... Um, it was so fun. He became like my favorite person of the festival, and yeah, you know, I, like, <laughs> I remember luck. at Hillside, I, as probably everyone in Guelph knows, it was uh, rained out on Sunday this year, and there was a, a lightning storm that drove everyone off the island in buses and cars, and then. Uh, we did a there was a kind of an impromptu hillside with Clinton St. John and yeah, Jenny Mitchell and Scott uh, at the uh, the Jimmy Jazz open night mic night yeah because um, uh, there's that band from Kitchener I don't know why oh, yeah. I don't remember their name uh, Hus- Huskatar um, mm. oh oh yeah um uh Oh man. Okay, I'll remember too. Okay. But yeah, they okay. they had like they were they had family coming from out of town to watch mm-hmm. them and everything, and then and then it yeah then they got to go there instead. They set up their whole set. They but were really magical. I should say Clinton. That's what made him so awesome. Like Scott and I convinced him to camp with us on the Saturday <laughs> instead of going back to the fancy hotel. And we convinced him uh, to come skinny dipping with us in the, the night, and then convinced him to go to Jimmy Jazz. I'm sure everyone else was having a huge party at the hotel when it's rained out. Like why wouldn't they? You know, but yeah. like not. Clinton. No, he he toughs it for the downtown. Toughing it with Guelph. Yeah. It's pretty great. Um, we're, right, CFU is in, in, the, in the midst of a very exciting initiative right now um, called Raise Your Voice, and I just wanted to do a bit of lip service to that before we start the interview, because um, there's some amazing things going on. Community radio is super important in this community for bringing together people, and it's one of the only ways that um, we can kind of bridge a community across a physical community. Um, and Raise Your Voice this year is looking to build a mobile studio, a mobile radio studio that will bring the radio to the community and, and their voices to the airwaves. Um, and so... Uh, Raise Your Voice this year is a way of making making radio mobile and making radio accessible and producing radio accessible to a bunch of people who might not be able to um, access the station for a variety of reasons. Um, CFRU is a nonprofit and listener-supported non-commercial alternative radio, and uh, 
when you donate to Raise Your Voice, you get a full year of really amazing radio. Um, it brings a lot together a lot of local artists, um, tells you about fun events, and um, provides a kind of amazing patchwork of programming um, to cater to a bunch of different interests. So uh, you can donate online at cfru.ca backslash raise dash uh, your dash voice or you can call into the station as well um anyone who donates over thirty dollars can get uh cfru swag uh and there's a prize list including cfru earbuds a t-shirt a key to the station which is a usb key filled with all of the amazing cfru programming that's come out of this 2014-2013 year um and if you donate up to a hundred dollars you get all of this plus the CFRU mug and tea. So there's a lot of amazing things going on. I will mention too, uh, we usually do the corkboard mid, mid session, but we're really excited uh, that tonight uh, Kazoo and CFRU are pre- co-presenting um, The Burning Howl with Blimbrock and Man Meets Bear at Silence at 8 o'clock. So it's $10 all ages, and this is part of the Raise Your Voice. Um, and we have Jenny, you're playing tonight, hey? Um, no, oh. I'm not. No, well, um, it, I've played in uh, two of those three acts, but I actually get to just watch, which is oh, that's exciting. nice. Yeah. <laughs> I was a, a long-term stand-in for their East Coast bass player when she went off to school for Blimp Rock, and uh, yeah, and I played in the Burning Hell before. This is their duo version of okay. that band, but cool. Yeah, that's really great. So, um, Jenny, I wanted to start maybe by talking about growing up in the art and music scene. Um, this is something we've talked a little bit of it on the show. Listeners might remember with um, the Benchich Youth Council, which is a local um, in Rijeka, Croatia, is a, a initiative that kind of came out of Porzmimo Benchich, which is a project by Althea Thauberger, which brought together five local theater groups. And those kids are now um, getting really involved in culture and, and music and in producing culture and music. And they're about six to 13 um, but you were you were fairly young too when you started. Yeah, I was um, I was fifteen when I started mm-hmm. my band, the Barmitsa Brothers, and uh, my bandmates like Jordy was thirteen, Johnny was twelve. So it's amazing. Yeah, we were little, little guys. <laughs> little guys. Yeah. yeah. And so then, I guess in a sense, you come of age as an artist together. Like you, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It had um. Yeah, there was no really separation growing up between um. Like you, you don't you don't know what part of your friends is your influence and what part of you is theirs but it's sort of just like cross synergy or whatever like it's it's um it's it's undeniable you kind of just can't get away from it and uh <laughs> and and mostly i'd say almost entirely positive ways but um mm. even the negative is kind of magical i think with that kind of growing up but um because it's like you don't just spend all that time together but you find out about things for the first time together and in some cases when it's really awesome uh you make things that didn't exist before together so sometimes um you actually don't even realize that you're doing something for the first time because everything's for the first time and it isn't until <laughs> later looking back you're like actually i i think i i invented something there i made a new right. avenue for like the person to follow me you know sometimes we made a new venue like at my dad's store or we made a new genre of music or something and I think it's just that when you're that young and you're not you don't know what's new and magical and what's just you um it makes everything that awesome I think yeah well you I you don't know the canon as well so you almost assume that everything you do is like new right like 
Well, yeah, and and at the flip side that, um, oh, I'm sure everyone's done this before, right. <laughs> so you don't overthink it either. You're not, uh-huh. it's not as competitive when you're that young. Like, um, I think, I don't know if it's just the lack of peers doing exactly the same thing, but mm-hmm. you don't, um, I always said that, like, oh, we'll just be a band as long as there's our next show. You know, if someone asks us to play, then we're a band. And, um, I mean, I, you know, I'd like to think I'd be that casual about it now. I sort of am. I guess I've gone almost full circle as a mom that now I almost have to be that casual again. But um, there's definitely a lot of relaxation in doing things for the right reasons when I was little and, you know, also had high school and also had other things and didn't have to overthink any of it. Mm -hmm. And there sounds like there's a fluidity in that, too, that you you learn to reach out and learn to make things yourself and yeah um well i think when you get to be older like there's um there's a weird shame sometimes if you think you're supposed to be somewhere like like a, a certain level of success by a certain age right. or um if you mark success in really typical ways which gets harder and harder not to do when you're adult and you have to make money or you know you have certain um you know, debts or whatever it is, like responsibilities to people. But when you're young and money actually doesn't factor in, um, you don't, you ask for things because it's not, you're not ashamed to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's like, there's nothing wrong with saying, can I have a show or can you help me book this show or can you show me how to do this? And so I feel like there's a sort of an innocence and and a lack of, um, I don't know, like you just, you feel okay about that kind of thing. And, um, I think that's a sad thing that we lose, but it makes sense that we lose it as grown-ups. But yeah, I think you're right that there's often a, a looking outward, like a a kind of comparison that we create between not only ours and the general peer group, but also our our immediate peer group too. And we mm-hmm. kind of compare and contrast and wonder. Yeah, it's so hard not to. Yeah. Like, um, I don't know. You would. You. Uh, I've had so many moments where I, I try to step outside of that and it's very easy to feel like you're drowning when you're yeah, like, what absolutely. am I, I need something to grab onto, to mm-hmm. leverage what my idea, to, is this a better idea, is this a more important idea, or at the very least, as an adult making art, you want to, you don't want to be redundant, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. it, like you have to constantly be looking around to see what other people have done and make sure you're not stepping on anyone and, um, when in reality, I think even at your best of intention, even if you try to be exactly like someone you respect, you're probably going to like, you know, bend it and shape it a little bit just because it's you. Yeah, you exactly. Know? It's, it's probably it's through your lens. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we probably don't need to worry about that nearly as much as no. we do. It's not like you're going to accidentally sound exactly like Beethoven. Or something <laughs> like. <laughs> oh, no, Although that. that would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That would be a good accident, yeah. I guess. But. Yeah. But when you're young, you do seem to be drawing from like kind of um, hungrily from all of the amazing things going around. And I wanted to ask you, you're, you've got this amazing project, the Golden Bus mm-hmm. DIY album creation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I'm, I'm wondering how that connects to the idea of, of being young and, and being able to, to do things yourself. Yeah. Um, well, Okay, I should say, so um, when I was 15, I mean, I, the first bandmate I had was my friend Jillian, who mm. is still my best friend to these days. Like, and and um, her and I, you know, goofing around playing keyboards was one thing. But when Jordy and Johnny joined the band, we also had access to um, recording studios, but not even through their parents so much as, like, Jordy's older brother, Evan, being allowed to use James's studio. You know, he's old <laughs> enough to be wasn't going to break things. Uh-huh. But um, I feel like one of the biggest leg ups that I had was um, having access to recording, but 
more than that, um, not knowing that it was weird to have access to recording. So basically, if we wrote a new song, we could more or less go and record it. We could make a record with it on it. And there was no separation between um, the creative practice and then the output of it actually reaching everyone and um, being heard by my friends or, you know, even bigger than that, like when we got a record label for our first album. (laughs) You know, and so there were so many things I didn't know were unique until later, which I think um, I, I really feel like it saved me from comparing myself to anyone too soon mm-hmm. so a lot of really really weird stuff like hit the gates from us um before i had any reason to be embarrassed or um or realize how weird we were and you almost don't have these these kind of levels of vetting at that yeah. point like it's just you and pure creation so it's not yeah. like and you and the creation that's dictated by a bar that's going to play you absolutely, or by yeah. someone and, else and the thing is, if you get enough of a foothold um, with that kind of uh, like innocence and, and, and sort of blinders up, um, then by the time you realize that you're doing something unique or that's never been done or that it's weird that people like it, um, it's been working for so long that mm-hmm. it, it's self-perpetuating. So I feel like you get to stay weird and honest a lot longer, maybe forever, you know. And um, I certainly don't feel like I've lost that in terms of how I write music. And so um, my bus inspiration, um, I'm fearful now that it's harder for people making music for the first time to have the same blinders. Mm-hmm. Like I think that um, an awareness of what's going on, even in, in your local scene, internationally or whatever like um you hear it all you know from when you're so little like it's just pumped out of the internet it's on every television commercial every everything and so i get nervous that there's still the same 15 13 12 year olds um you know jamming in their parents basements but that they're already ashamed or already comparing themselves to something and that i will never hear the first thing they made i'll mm-hmm. hear the thing after they tried to sound you know like um Headley or something you know like it's just <laughs> so I uh-huh. feel like if um if I can show up with this bus it's just it's basically supposed to be just an alternative like small scale kind of um recording studio I guess but like really really simple accessible recording equipment and it's just supposed to show people like um primarily like people making music for the first time is the best way but uh, you know Aiming young is a good way of catching that crowd. Right. Um, but showing them that you don't have to be in a traditional studio and you don't have to be in a traditional space and you don't need expensive equipment, um, showing them the way they can do it themselves and making that normal, um, kind of, you know, trying to and, and trying to hammer that home as importantly and showing examples of success um, doing it that way to go hand in hand with all of the exposure they're getting to the alternative, which is, you know, um, competitions to become the best singer or t- taking a pop right, career like or, or just yeah. never playing anyone, the stuff they make in their bedroom. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, in my ultimate dream, teenagers think it's as normal for a golden bus to show up at their school <laughs> and show the exact this opposite. Magical golden bus. Because you know, and, and the thing is, even if there's students that um, participate and they go, no, this is too do-it-yourself, this is too um, like lo-fi or I don't like these weird spaces. I want something more um, produced. Yeah, and yeah. that's a magical realization too. Mm-hmm. I just, um, I think it's, it's great when people sort of pick 
um, an angle, but when they have an awareness of what the different angles are and the difference between building a do-it-yourself music career versus aiming to be, you know, in, in a mainstream sort of pop environment. Mm-hmm. And um, I've done some assemblies to grade eights in Toronto, and as basically I just try and explain them as two completely different careers. So you don't right. quit instrumental yeah. music when you're learning a saxophone in grade eight because you don't sound like Justin Bieber. It's like <laughs> completely different universes. And that was apparently a problem they were having at one of these schools. Kids were dropping out of instrumental music because they didn't have a good enough singing voice or they thought they weren't good looking enough. And it's like, Oh, my God. And it's just, uh, yeah, because they just, um, they hit the gates with whatever concept of music that they've seen. Mm-hmm. And so some of them just don't even know that anything weird exists. They have absolutely no exposure to it. And, um, you know, so I, th- yeah. I think that there's a value in, in at least seeing people have done this under alternative circumstances, just so you know it's an option, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I grew up in Coburg, Ontario, and there were a lot of amazing things there, but the music scene was, yeah, really limited, and I yeah. had no idea that there was this amazing kind of independent music scene going on outside of the the walls, the, the four walls of the city. Yeah. Um, so yeah. this is an amazing opportunity to um, for like kind of intergenerational mentorship too. Like yeah, absolutely, the- yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, some of what I've seen that has come out of unlearning. You know, mm-hmm. when people grew up under really closed circumstances and then branched out later, but. Um, but in Guelph, I have, you know, more examples of people um, never having to, to have the wrong idea in the first place. Right. I shouldn't even say wrong idea, just um, to have to have a broader spectrum of like I had, you know, even just between Jordy and John's dads, like Scott Merritt and James Gordon are both internationally recognized artists. Mm-hmm. Um, James makes like like pretty much straight up folk singer songwriter music and Scott is totally like bending the weirdest molds and so even just seeing two adults who were professional musicians who could support their families making music who even just between the two of them you know could be best friends and be in completely different musical universes was very powerful for me like um you know it opened up basically anywhere from one pole to the other being fine and being possible Mm -hmm. and so yeah i think um yeah i almost wonder if it's about and this is a DIY ethic as well as it's about kind of recognizing agency and recognizing that you don't necessarily, this is something we've talked about a lot on the show, but that you don't necessarily have to um, accept that there is only one way to do it or only two ways. Like, cause I think often we get into this kind of binary of the culture. So Justin Bieber and Mariah Carey or whatever. Although I know people who are great fans of Mariah Carey. Um, and then this counterculture Um, which is everything else. And I think that, as you say, there is a full spectrum of many, many different ways of operating. Yeah. And it's about giving people the idea that they can make something of that and find something that resonates with them instead of accepting. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and another piece of it is that... um, on top of the spectrum of, you know, possible ways to express your art, there's also um, 
different definitions of success. Yeah. So I show up and like, look, I drive a school bus. I have children. Um, I have to do other things to pay the rent. Um, or like more accurately, I choose to do other things to pay the rent. And so I recognize a certain value in, um, in driving a school bus because I enjoy it, but also yeah. because it's, um, you know, it's meditative, it's consistent. And I'm in town anyway for my son going to school. But there's lots of reasons um, why that is really powerful and important to me. And it's not um, that music didn't work out, so I do this. And right. so yeah. um, I like to, you know, when I do the, again, the, the assembly thing is what I've mostly done in this way so far for this outreach. But to say, like, look, on one side, if you've defined success as you want to be making millions of dollars and all you have to do is show up at a studio and sing one line and that's your role, like, by all means, like, shoot for that if that's <laughs> actually, like, your definition of success. But yeah. on the flip side, you know, I've toured across the country countless times. I've toured down to the States. I've gone over to Europe. I played with the Arcade Fire a bunch of times. I've sung on really cool records. Like, I've never had to stop making music at any point. Mm-hmm. And to me, and it's all, you know, on my own time, and I have the control over my entire musical life. So every single artistic decision is still in my hands. To me, that's, um, you know, a huge success compared to Absolutely. the restrictions a lot of people see. And so... Depending on what you want music to be in your life, um, you know, taking the avenue that I took could be exactly what somebody wants. And it's funny, I talk to musicians, like I have a bunch of friends that made the Polaris list this year, Mm -hmm. and even the short list, and you know, they're all this gala together, and... I'm trying to explain to them that I still define success as being able to go on a tour, because people in all those towns still want me to show up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even talking about money guys. They're like, don't aim too high. I'm like, I don't I'm not not talking that. about even what I get when I get there. I just want there to still be people in those towns. And they're like, okay, well let me yeah, you can you can aim for that, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's But I mean like in a, its purest sense, that's kind of what you hope for, right? That yeah. you make something. Like, as an artist, yeah. you put your voice out into the world, and you hope that it will have some resonance with people. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's you know, money is an easy way to mark whether or not things are going right. Um, yeah. Because it's very clear and defined, and especially if you're in a situation where you've put everything on the music career, and that is your job, and you have to make it work. But, um, but recognizing its value... Um, as a section of your life is mm-hmm. not a defeat. It's just it's just choosing it for different pieces. And um, I don't. I still th- I think there's a lot of really great music to hear out of these young people if they don't get so caught up thinking their first record sounds bad. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's paralyzing. I want to hear it your really bad is. sounding record. <laughs> yeah. There's a really yeah. cool little um, short documentary that was made by Matthias of the Burning Hell and mm-hmm. his partner Ariel, like the two who are performing tonight at the CFRU show. They made this little documentary in St. John's about women making music. Mm-hmm. And um, the the angle they were sort of approaching it from was how um, growing up, females tend to have more structured ways that they were introduced to music. So like piano lessons or um, yeah. vocal lessons, like things that were so structured that um, as adults, it's often harder for them to make mistakes yeah. and feel like okay about it and not hear it as a mistake. Whereas, like lots of boys, it sort of had the more scrappy, you know, hanging out in a garage With and screwing up is part of the point. And yeah. um, 
until I watched this like little documentary. I, I never thought about it that way because I was one of the boys. I guess like you know when I watched this, it was like I screwed up all the time. I, yeah. I was, and so I yeah I think in my case I feel like youth was my shelter that I could be one of the boys and it wasn't even boy versus girl at that point because we were so young. And so I feel like I got away with something because I wasn't being compared to women. I was like wasn't being compared to anything. Mm -hmm. And so even things like that, like you just don't realize are are boundaries that people have set. And then by the time you meet those people later in life, they have already been filtering everything through that, that preconception. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah. I think we'll get back to this idea of of people making music who might not have made music before, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think first we'll uh, do the... Jenny, I forgot to warn you. you want at nine at oh. soon, yes. At 9.30, um, every every Wednesday, we do the corkboard. So it's time now, everyone, for the corkboard. <laughs> so... Um, Corkboard is when we tell you about the amazing local events going on in the community. As we said, it's Raise Your Voice. Uh, so CFRU is asking for donations to support our mobile uh, studio. Um, it's called Tuning Into the Community. There's um, a bunch of things going on. Tonight, The Burning Hell plays a show with Silence. Blimp, uh, sorry, with Silence. At Silence with Blimp Rock and Man Eats Bear, um, which is Zorn Brothers incredible uh, band uh, they're playing uh, doors are at I think 8 and tickets are $10 um, we also wanted to let you know on November 4th uh, our Music Eddies has an improvised in residence program with the Institute for Critical Studies and Improvisation and our improvised in residence this year is Dong Won Kim he's playing with a Korean pansori singer, Il Dong Bae, on November 4th at Silence at 7 o'clock. And this will be a performance and workshop. Um, pansori is a really interesting um, Korean traditional music that, um, and the, the practitioners spend a lot of time, um, like I think seven years Il Dong Bae spent um, beside a waterfall singing into the waterfall. And so it's a really kind of, it's a, incredibly raw practice so we're really excited about that on november 8th karen hula so who you know jenny mm-hmm. yeah um karen hula is a poet and philosopher and she's the write-in residence for the eastern comma residency at rare which is a charitable research reserve in cambridge um the there's a bus going out to North House, and Karen will be doing some writings and um, readings, and I'll walk around the incredible property at Rare. So there's a bus leaving at 12:20 from 6 Dublin Street South, and we recommend that highly. And we also wanted to know to let you know that Bird City, which is Jenny Mitchell's uh, latest project, I suppose, or earliest yeah, and then mm-hmm. um, revived. Uh, is on tour with Shopkeeper, which is an incredible local band featuring Alana Gerst, Steph Yates, and Scott Haynes, and it's Scott Haynes's music. Um, they're going to be on tour uh, kind of all out east, so Montreal, Sackville, Halifax, and Newfoundland, um, and starting with a show at the Transac if you're in Toronto on November 8th and ending with a show on, in Guelph on uh, the 23rd at the Cornerstone. So 
that will be amazing. Can I add a show? Of did course you, um, you can. Did you mention the King Neptune and his Trident's Halloween? Oh, I should, yes. yes. So um, the, it's the Glam Slam Ball, and it's um, uh, it's a CFRU presented show at Silence, and um, it'll be actually on Halloween. And my band, the Barmitzer Brothers, I was speaking about previously, um, are reuniting to perform um, our album that was released on Halloween 11 years ago. Oh, my So God. our album, Mr. Bones Walk-In <laughs> Closet. So a lot of songs from back when we were teenagers. Um, so it's an s- extremely rare performance from us. Um, and then we'll be followed by, um, yeah, King Neptune and his Tridents, which is sort of a local um, Toronto and Guelph-based all-star um, sort of prom rock cover band. Very um, incredible. Yeah, and, and um, I think it's $10 in advance, I believe. Um, it almost certainly will sell out because it's yeah. such a small venue. So I strongly recommend, but it's um, physically accessible and all ages. And then um, that'll be followed by Golden Throat's Karaoke, which is the karaoke cool. I host, and I'll have that over at the ANAF also on Halloween. So, Amazing. Um, yeah, it's a pretty full, awesome night. No kidding. Yeah, well, and Gold- Golden Throats is, if, if people haven't experienced Golden Throats yet, they should. So uh, you can find Golden Throats online on Facebook and receive yep. invites. Um, Golden Throats is any karaoke you can ever imagine and indie karaoke yeah. and just a really amazing group of people that have been, they've been growing yeah, and I, yeah, well, absolutely. Like the, the regular, yeah, it brings a special. It's another type of participation in music. I mean, it's technically other people's songs, but it's still bringing people out of their shell that I've never seen behave that way, and it's very exciting. And yeah, yeah, and I've been programming this indie rock karaoke, and um, like I have. You know, Man Meets Bear and Blimp Rock and Burning Hell. Like, you know, oh, it's, it's like pretty much when people come to town and I make friends with them, it's like <laughs> a short jump to the catalog. So, yeah. It's really great. Um, and I, I almost wonder if when we were talking about uh, people having feeling a license to play, I wonder if karaoke is a really good entry point because I think so. it's someone else's song. So yeah. it's, there's kind of a supportive environment. Um to be able to, yeah, give your own take on that song. Well, even within that, I mean, I have a lot to say about karaoke, so I won't go like, on a tangent <laughs> about that, but um, um, that's another one where uh, the preconceptions, like there's a lot of people who um, karaoke starts with trying to sound exactly like the original song. Right. And I feel like you spend enough time at Golden Throats and you realize it's it's really, really, really actually about fun. Like like the performance yeah. side takes a much larger role in Golden Throats karaoke than the quality and so yes, you get yeah. like the, the failure is, is oh, possible. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's embraced <laughs> and appreciated. It gets yeah. the loudest applause. And so, yeah, I, yeah. Um, I love seeing people relax that way about yeah. um, and knowing they're allowed to sing other people's songs however they want. And those people don't mind. And Right. Exactly. Um, I wonder if do you want to play the Bar Mitzvah Brothers? I've oh. got them queued up on, on CD. What what album did it's, you pick it's up? It's the album oh, that you're going to... Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, yeah I, was, I brought it, too. So. Okay, good. Great. Yeah. What's your favorite song, actually? Um. Well, did you have one that you picked out, or do you I want me out, to... I picked out... I think I picked out 10.30 a.m. Okay. Um, but... Well, okay. Um, 10.30 a.m. Skip ahead, two. We'll do Mercury. Okay. I think that's a good... So that's... 12, track 12. 12. All right.
So I'm just realizing that I've turned the wrong song on, so I'm going to turn on the next one. Sorry for the production. Bar Mitzvah Brothers Mercury. Um, you can catch the Bar Mitzvah Brothers playing with King Neptune and his tridents uh, at the Halloween Glam Slam Ball. Um, that's kind of the final event of Raise Your Voice. Jenny was just looking at the, the liner notes. Um, 
uh, while we were playing that to see kind of how the music could be reinterpreted now. Yeah, yeah, because we're, yeah, um, you know, you take... Things have changed. You're different people. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, 11 years since this album, but then some of these songs are even older than that. And mm-hmm. um, even the album was a really, like, important turning point because Jillian, who had been in the band up until then, sort of... Um, hit a wall where she didn't really like playing out of town anymore and didn't really like recording out of her comfort zone. So um, we sort of, um, this album was recorded sort of under three different circumstances. So there were songs done at Andy McGoffin's studio in London, the House of Miracles, um, and Scott Merritt's studio, The Cottage, which was Johnny's dad. And then um, maybe a third of the record was recorded by us at James's studio. And so it's a, for me, it's a really neat, I, I know all the different turning points that were happening. And I yeah. know that like, um, we used to be, you know, four people can play four instruments and that's how many song like instruments are on a song. Yeah. And then by this record, it's like, well, if Jillian's not going to be there, you know, then I'll play her part. But then that turned into 10 more parts. Or, so yeah. it was just kind of this neat branching out. Um, but we became bigger than the sum of the people. And so even by mm. our release show, we're like, how do we actually do that? And In person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like on the um, on Halloween of 2010, uh, sorry, two, sorry, 2000, 2000. No, I'm getting this wrong. We're in 2014 now. So, oh, 2003, 2003 Halloween okay. at the release party, we had this giant bar mitzvah orchestra. So it was like an 11 piece backing band of people from like all over town. And I remember the one rule about the show is I wanted every band to be young. Okay. So we had um, our favorite band from, I think they were from like Blenheim, this band called Returned Unused Portion. And then um, we had uh, Rag Bop play with us, which was our friends Scotty and Tim. And so we had this 11 piece band, but with the exception of Tristan and Johnny's dad, Scott, every single person in our band was like in high school. That's amazing. And so it was this enormous, crazy, scrappy orchestra. And like one guy just played thumb cymbals. <laughs> like it, was, it was that random. And so, yeah, and like, we're not going to be that for this Halloween. So how do adults who are seemingly professional musicians communicate the same scrappy craziness? That Yeah. Well, and I wonder if it's about tuning into the people that you are now, too, like, which is yeah. what you were doing then, right? Like yeah, absolutely. Were, yeah. I think that's a big part of it. acknowledging your context, which is being in high school and yeah. and wanting to to bring that together. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. We're not going to try to recreate the past. It'll be um, our, you know, adult versions of, of mm-hmm. this, but it's fun to be, you know, mm-hmm. covering ourselves. Totally. That. Yeah. That's really great. Um, we usually read a little quote on the show, and I wondered if we could um, tie in this idea of, uh, you were talking, I think right at the start of this show, we were talking about co-creating and how you kind of, how you, how you work together as a group. Um, and so- sometimes you create things that you couldn't have imagined on your own. So um, this is a quote that Alyssa, Alyssa's working on a text on community music, and she quotes uh, David Byrne, who's a, uh, plays lead vocals and guitar for the Talking Heads. Um, so he says, over time, you internalize the tendencies and playing approaches of your fellow players, and after a while, you don't even consider writing certain parts or in certain styles because the musicians you're working with wouldn't naturally go that way. You play to their strengths. You don't try to reverse the river to get to get it to jump over a mountain. You harness the flow and energy and gently urge it to join up with other tributaries. And I wonder if that's that's kind of, uh, in a way, like that idea of of, of working together and of of like you yeah, absolutely, yeah. That's a that's a totally relevant quote for us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, and in our case, I wouldn't even, uh, you know, you can picture someone like uh, like David Byrne standing there. Um, you know, it, say he knew how to do everything like, hypothetically, <laughs> but he's and then and then you know he's speaking to like what you wouldn't ask other people to do. Yeah. But um, it's cool because it's like every person is standing there, and their concept of what they're able of do like to do is kind of everything to them. Yeah. So um, you don't sit there like thinking of your limitations um, when you're feeling good. You know, sometimes you do. Hopefully like, not. If, yeah. If five of you are in the studio, probably whatever you're able to do is your full sense of, of normal and yeah. ultimate achievement. And so it's like five people not asking five people to, you know, to, 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 to go outside of this. Um, yeah, it's 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 like it's it's not as linear, you know, as like one person conducting Dictating. or it's it's a uh, yeah, it's it's five people not even realizing that they're making that decision mm-hmm. you know yeah and i think that in the end that's what where collaboration is at its sweetest is when we kind of acknowledge what we can bring to the table and yeah. and what finding our way to make that work with what other people are bringing to the table as well yeah and it's important to know um we just had a conversation recently about collaboration versus partnership and mm-hmm. you know people misuse the words a lot you know um and there's nothing wrong with um, wanting to to like to partner or to like. Um, there's nothing wrong with keeping yourself intact and pure and not wanting hmm. to change for the people you're with, and just playing alongside other players. Yeah. Um, there's also nothing wrong with going in and letting your guard down and letting everything in and change your parts. And and I think um, the magic is when you know which moments you hold on to that are pure and say stay safe for you or where you're mm-hmm. really defined and which parts um, can be better or more interesting or just like recognizing that they would never have existed without that other person. And I think that's the best balance to me is when you're lucky enough to be able to do both. Mm-hmm. That's actually like exactly. Do you know Jacob Bren? No, he's a writer so from Montreal, and he's really, really great. He's written fiction and nonfiction, and he keeps up a really great blog. And that's exactly actually how he de- defines his like ideal. Like, because he, he has doubts about collaboration in some ways, and he he felt a profound loneliness in his adolescence, and was kind of looking to collaboration as a way to solve this. Um, but he talks about this this fantasy of collaboration that like. I think it's going to be this way. You think it's going to be this way. And those ideas don't necessarily meet up. But then we we find a way to respect each other and we find a way to hold on to what we think is the most important, what you think is the most important, and then find a way to make everything in between work together. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that, um, I mean, I think of uh, even romantic relationships yeah, at their exactly. best would be like that. It's like, you're you and I'm me and we've made a third thing. Yeah. And it's it's not about, um, you know, and I mean, I have children. It's like, so the you kids physically aren't, made a third thing. Yeah, but it's true. But it's like, I, yeah. I explain that to people. They're not 50% mom, 50% no. dad. They're like, they're me and dad and they're 100% them also that mm-hmm. happens outside of us and they wouldn't be there without us. But we don't get any we get like simultaneously all the credit if you're <laughs> defining things by what wouldn't happen if you weren't around no, but we yeah. also get none of the credit in the sense that now they have all they need to go forward and make everything themselves and so it's like I think like yeah children are probably the ultimate example of collaboration <laughs> at its finest, but, um, yeah. there's nothing wrong with recognizing the role you had but sometimes it's um you also have to know that maybe no one else will see or hear that anymore. Yeah, and that and that like that can be a beautiful thing. That the the pieces I hear of myself in other people's projects from time to time. If I was part of the growing up, like 
Um, like, I'm not playing bass, you know, with Blimp Rock tonight. I'm not playing in Burning Howl. But um, I, like, Blimp Rock was different because I was just filling in. But um, but I know that even just spending time with them, you that I... Your musical traits. Absolutely. And, you know, and if, if I was something they listened to or if I was somebody they played music with at different points in time, I'm in there from mm-hmm. for, for the rest of their musical lives, whether or not it's literal. And um, I get huge satisfaction out of that. You know, I don't have to actually hear myself to be right. knowing the role that I had, you know? Totally. Yeah. I think we have time for about one more question, Jenny. Okay. So um, this is a question that we ask all of our guests on the okay. show. And it is, what do you think the secret ingredient? And it, and sorry, I'm going to start that again. Jenny, what do you think is the secret ingredient in art? Um, I think that probably yourself is hmm. the secret ingredient. I don't know if a lot of people answer that way, but... Um, no, that's the first time we've gone. Oh. There. Yeah. Because I think... Um, I mean, if you think about it, you're the filter, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're how it's all coming in. So if you want to be totally selfish and say art, all art is, is being filtered through me, for mm-hmm. me, then you're adding your piece to everything that anyone's ever done as you're bringing it in. Yeah. So I think it, it's hard to separate you from, I think that that's the only constant I can think of that would exist in all artistic experiences would be you mm-hmm. taking them in. So. Right. I think uh, that I would go with that. Interesting, yeah, and probably it sounds like because you've worked on so many collaborations that it's not to the exclusion of others, but that you are the oh, lens no. that you, yeah, kind of the secret ingredient. Like I, I think that's what I mean. Like it, it, it requires that lens. Yeah. So you are counting on everyone being a lens for what you've made to be filtered through. So, like hmm. the secret ingredient would be you for yourself, but also when you're creating for other people, you have that in mind too. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that never goes away. Well, and I, I always love this idea that different texts get and music and gets taken up by different people and is understood in different ways by yeah. each individual. So there's a a personality in the creation, but then also a personality in the understanding as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that that's a. That's totally fine, too. (laughs) (laughs) So I wonder if we can uh, play another song. Yeah, I'd love to play. um, I was going to play Man Meets Bear. Oh, um, great. Soren, because he's playing tonight, um, as we said, at Silence. And um, this song's called Sorrow Gold, and it's really beautiful, and it's going to be in my karaoke catalog soon. Soon. Exciting. And and uh, all three bands tonight are on Label Fantastic. Um, or tied yeah, into Label awesome. Fantastic in some way. So I'm really happy about that. So, That's um, so yeah, this song's called Sorrow Gold um, by Man Meets Bear. Oh, 
That's so great. I I really hope someone sings that like the first night. Are are you gonna sing it the first well, night? Well, yeah, Jenny? we've been um, we've adopted Atlanta Gers, um Golden Coast as our sort of like unofficial theme song, and um, uh, and we also do like thank you for being a friend um, <laughs> yeah. because of the Golden Girls, and so we've been sort of trying to collect these um, you know uh, sort of anthems, and I would love to stay in the indie catalog for our anthems, and so yeah, that song's just so catchy, and it's also called Sorrow Gold, so um, you know we between that and Golden Coast in a night, you know, it's like indie songs represented and theme song and, and I get to hammer it home. I know at least one person that went out and bought Alana's album from having heard us sing Golden wow. Coast at karaoke. That's yeah. so great. Yeah. It's like, I couldn't get it out of my head. I went down and bought it the next morning. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> that's so Yeah. Good. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so you can hear Thornton tonight at the... We, silence. silence, yeah. And you should show up early. It says 8. It's probably actually 8 or very, very nearly mm-hmm. after because they do try to tie everything up by 11 to be sensitive to the neighbors. And so um, Soren is probably on first. So um, I would strongly recommend getting down there early to get a spot. Amazing. All right. Um, just a reminder, uh, we've been talking about it all show, but Raise Your Voice is going on right now. Um to support a mobile studio. So you can visit CFRU.ca um, to find out more details about your, Raise Your Voice. Um, please consider donating. Uh, it, this is an amazing organization um, that is full of amazing people and reaches out to amazing people. So it's really worth it. Yeah, I'll hammer home. I was on Chelsea's show. I just yeah. popped in when you, they were they were live out of Planet Venus yesterday. yesterday and, yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, as, speaking as a teenager that was on the radio, you know, as a 15 year old because mm-hmm. it existed here. Um, you don't even realize the impact that CFRU is going to have on you when you first start participating. Like if you just really um, you hear it on the airways, maybe you know you know some friends who are involved, but. Um, uh, the thing I what I pointed out yesterday, like even the smallest contribution, and even the kinds of contributions of like spreading the word about CFRU yeah. and and you know reposting the fundraising on your own Facebook pages, like every single little contribution that people make, um, it, it goes so much farther than yeah. just one project or one thing. Like it, it's it's all the things, and I think like with no funding, it would shrink back to a baseline service of being a radio station, but every little like dollar over that amount is all of the fun. It's everything you see in the community and it's every totally. piece that you're allowed to be part of. So, um, it, well, it, and even a mobile studio too is, is really does go even further. Yeah. And no, so. it, it's incredible. And yeah. I've heard some of the recordings coming out of the, the one they have now. And, uh, you know, they're over at the senior center and the technology Amazing. is accessible to seniors. So like, it's all touch based and really simple. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so even thinking that even at that age, people learning the accessibility of radio for the first time. Exactly. It's, it's a really good initiative. Yeah. So to donate, cfru.ca or call the station. And thanks for being with us. This is The Secret Ingredient on CFRU 93.3 FM, cfru.ca online. Um, I'm Danika. I was joined in the studio by Jenny Mitchell. Thanks for joining us, Jenny. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we'll see you next week. De la moutarde, du pain de beurre, de petits oignons, des confitures et des odeurs, des cornichons, des cornets et des biscottes, des macarons, 